Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Literally. I mean, I've stopped watching the news because, quite frankly, it scares me, makes me a little nervous, maybe even a little anxious. However, I woke up this morning and I feel blessed. It's a great day. And guys, I, I can't lie to you. You know, it's Wednesday. It's a winning Wednesday. And yesterday was actually my birthday and I turned 26 and I am through the roof. Now talk about a weird birthday, um, to say the least, right? It's quarantine. Can't really do much. We have this whole social distancing. Trump just said that we have another, what is it? Four or five weeks until we could actually stop this whole social distancing stuff stuff. So, you know, it's just been, it's been fun to be honest with you. I had a couple friends over. I know that that doesn't abide by social distancing, but we had like four or five friends over. Yes, we stayed about three to four feet apart away from each other, not the whole six feet, but I had to celebrate in some way. And you know, it's funny. One of my friends actually sent me this song. Can we, can we get the song ready to play the clean version too, please? As you guys know, I love Drake. Um, absolutely love Drake. And he dropped a picture of his son for the first time ever actually this week, which is actually really cool to see. His son is super blonde hair, really, really blonde curly hair. It's almost like curly cues and he looks exactly like Drake's mom, but it reminds me a lot of this song. This is one of my favorite songs to play for my birthday. And if y'all don't know what song that is, that's Ratchet, Happy Birthday by Drake. And the funny part is, is that we've actually changed the lyrics to be Corona-teened, Happy Birthday. It's your Corona-teen birthday. Ooh, okay, enough about uh, my birthday. Let's talk a little bit more about life, y'all. So one, I miss March Madness. I can't lie. I'm struggling without sports right now. I'm watching simmed Madden games on like, you know, Madden 2020 I'm watching simmed and NBA 2K games on NBA 2K20. The NBA just announced that their players are actually going to be playing in a, a game that they're going to be live streaming. And yep, best believe it. I'm excited for that because it's finally something that's sports related that I could actually watch and get excited about without hearing the word Corona added into that or COVID added into that. But you know, guys, like the one thing that I do want to let y'all know is it's a crazy time. This is unprecedented. This is going to be in history books for I mean, shoot, they're going to write history books about this time period, not only, you know, 2020 and how the world stops, but they're also going to write about just our entire lives in general. And when you think back to 2000, the Internet age booming, 2008 recession, oh, I missed one really important event back in 2001 and 9-11, right? So we've lived through a lot of a lot of shit, y'all. And I would just say, take this time to, you know, come back to yourself understand what it is that you want to accomplish in your life. And also just take a step back and understand everything that it is that's going on and just breathe, right? There's so many things that are uncontrollable in this world today. And the one thing that I want every single person to know is that the only thing you can control is yourself. And it's funny, you know, we, I'm talking to Howard Behar today, who is a awesome, awesome leader. I mean, I honestly think that this interview couldn't come at a much better time because we're going to talk about servant leadership and servant leadership is a, is a, 
word that's used often throughout the Starbucks organization. And if you guys have never heard of Howard Behar, he's actually the founding president of, Inter- of Starbucks International. And he is an awesome, awesome person. And he coined servant leadership at Starbucks and actually made it a thing that was, you know, highlighted in everything that we do. And when I worked at Starbucks and I was actually in the corporate office, you see it come through all the time. And it's actually a buzzword in corporate America today where all leaders are trying to become servant leaders. And the one thing that I would say is listen to Howard. He may be a little bit older than us. He cracks a joke about the whole OK Boomer um, saying, but he is very wise, very awesome. And I can't wait to have him on. I mean, shit, we're about to get into this right now, y'all, because, you know, it's it's Corona, Corona teen. We're missing March Madness. We're missing the NBA. We're missing the MLB. I mean, opening day we missed last week. The NFL draft seems like it's still going to be going in April. So there's a bright side, bright side to this. And you know what, y'all like, keep your heads up. Let's keep moving forward and let's uh, let's stay connected with each other, whether it's virtually or whether it's you know through a call, through a text, whatever it may be. Because feeling connected during this time is going to be very, very key for all of us to retain our sanity. So with that being said, let's get Howard onto the show. And y'all, as I mentioned, I have Howard Behar here with us today, who is the founder of uh, the founding president of Starbucks International. And we are super happy to have him on today. Howard, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. We are super happy to have you. And let's just get get into the first topic. So understanding that you're a very well-respected global leader and having worked in the international business before, can you just give us a quick cliff note version of your career with maybe some highlights as well? Uh, well, you're looking at a guy that barely got out of high school, had a couple of years of community college, and my best subject was beer. But by the time I left <laughs> community college, my best, best subject turned into single malt scotches. You know, not not exactly something I'd want my kids to copy, but I had a good time. So I I grew up in the home furnishings industry, and I spent 25 years in the home furnishings industry after school, working in family businesses and and other companies. And and then ended up as president of a land development company uh, that was actually kind of consumer oriented. It was like a, um, a timeshare for RV owners. And so I ran that for a while. The company got in trouble and we had to sell it. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. So I decided I didn't want to go to work for companies anymore. I wanted to have my own business. And I went out and started looking at businesses. I got interested in the specialty food industry and I started to look for businesses to buy. And right out of the gate, I met Howard Schultz, who is a, uh, a CEO of Starbucks through some mutual friends. And he was looking for a VP of operations. And uh, so I had breakfast with him and he interviewed me and he had about 10 items on his list that he was looking for. And first thing was you had to have a college degree. Well, I didn't check that box. Second thing was he wanted somebody with food and beverage experience. I didn't have that experience, so check that box off. The other thing I really could do is I could breathe because that was number 10 on the list. <laughs> and so we said thanks to each other and part of the way. And I had told him I was still look, I was looking for something to buy. And so a year passed and I ended up uh, finding a business to buy. And I, but I needed some money. So I went to my brother-in-law who was the only guy that I knew that had any money. And, and he said, it was a franchise business for a company called Hickory Farms for Oregon, Washington, British Columbia. Okay. So they sold salami and cheese and stuff. <laughs> and uh, so I 
went to, my brother-in-law knew a guy that actually helped Howard Schultz, but knew a lot about franchising. And uh, although Starbucks wasn't franchising at that time. And so we went to visit this guy and, and I pitched my heart out and the guy says, why do you want to do something like that for? We need a guy like you right here at Starbucks. And I, and I looked at him and I said, well, I already had the conversation with Howard. It, you know, I didn't fit him and, and et cetera. And I still wanted to buy a business. He said, oh, forget about what was going on. This was a year ago. Mm-hmm. We still haven't found anybody and you would be perfect fit. So, you know, I said, okay, I'll interview again. And my brother-in-law, you could hear a sigh of relief all the way down to, to Los Angeles because he wouldn't have to loan me any money if I got a job, right? <laughs> so I, I met with Howard again. And I said, let me work in the company for a week. You don't pay me. I'll just, I'll work in the, I want to work in the plant and the stores and on the trucks. And at the end of the week, if you like me and I like you, maybe we put something together. And so a week passed and I realized that I really loved it. And it was a, it would be a good fit for me. And Howard extended invitation. So I just, I turned right instead of turning left. That was about it. I had no idea it would become what it's become. Never in my wildest dreams. You know, I felt that it had a soul that, that wasn't really uh, being lived. I, right from almost a get-go, I used to tell Howard that we're not in the coffee business. We're in the people business serving coffee. Mm-hmm. And I coined that phrase inside of Starbucks. And it's still alive today that it we're is. we're in the... We're in the people business serving coffee. And uh, and so that's what I drove with inside of Starbucks. And no, that, that's that. how I lived my life there. And I said so that. And so I practiced it and I brought servant leadership into Starbucks. I, I absolutely love that, Howard. And thank you for bringing us through that and being so, so honest about it, to, because I think the one thing that's funny about careers is that we all think about it on a very linear path. But the truth of the matter is that there are different things that happen throughout your career. Like you sat down for, I mean, first off, you started off in the home furnishing business. You worked in there for, you know, a good amount of time. And then you met Howard. It didn't seem like it was a fit at the time. And I've found throughout, throughout my career that just because it's the right role or the role that you believe it to be at that time doesn't mean that it's always the right time. Right. And then for you, it came back full circle just a year later. You took the chance and believed in yourself and said, Hey, let me work here for a week unpaid. And then you guys make the decision. And then it ended up, I mean, those, those terms that you were saying right there, where we're not in the coffee business, we're in the people business serving coffee. That's something that I was hearing, you know, on my first day at Starbucks all the way through today. And it was something that I always valued because it was true as a, I was a barista for shoot five years. And the one thing that I always loved about being a barista was that I got to connect with people over a cup of coffee. And being in the cafe setting, you realize that so many people come to the cafe to either study or converse or just have conversations. We had one guy who'd come in every morning, paid with change. He would get a tall pike place and he would just sit in the, in the uh, cafe and read the newspaper. And then he would converse with other people around it. And to me, that always brought like the human connection around Starbucks and why it was a place that I always wanted to be. Which leads me into my next question for you, which is servant leadership is something that you just mentioned. And again, something that is preached throughout Starbucks and then also throughout all of my mentors who I admire and look up to, whether it be Chris Carr or Joe Thornton or Howard Schultz or yourself, always speaking about servant leadership. But I'd love to know what servant leadership means to you in your own words. Well, let's just the basic definition I use for servant leadership is this, is that the only reason any of us are put on this earth is to serve others. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't care what your role in his life. I don't care what your title is. 
I don't care where you work, if you're a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a policeman, a school teacher, or a barista. There's one reason any of us are here, and that's to serve other people. And once you come to the realization of that, then then how you treat others, how you treat yourself first, and then how you treat others becomes the be-all, end-all. And so as a leader, um, you know, if we want to have great organizations, and our, ha- our role has to be to help the people that report to us achieve what they want in their lives. And in so doing, then they'll help us do what we want to achieve in our lives. And that's the only way it really works. And so servant leadership is primarily about helping others achieve what they want in their lives. And in that journey, we get what we want out of our lives. And, and you know, people have a misidea mis- about servant leadership. They think it's just a soft, gentle, kind, you know, easy kind of going stuff. Servant leadership is as much about performance as it is about anything else. Because in life, we have to perform. And it's just how we treat people in that journey of performance. You know, recognizing that they're human beings and that we're not there to abuse them, we're there to help them. So it's just a a little definition of how it really works. And if you think about it, think about the relationships we have at home. If you have a significant other in your life, you know, you're there to help that significant other achieve what they want in their lives. It's not just about you, right? It becomes about we. And Mm -hmm. then servant leadership is about we at its essence. I love that. I love that. And one thing that you said is that I really enjoy is the fact that it's not like the soft aspect of it where it's like being too nice or just being overly friendly. I think some of my best mentors, some of my best friends that I have in my life are people who challenge me on things that they believe they should challenge me on. And they also support me on the things that they believe they should support me on. Right. My career endeavors, my personal endeavors, they support me holistically, but some things that I might be thinking through or trying to come to them for advice, they're like, well, let's, and then they challenge the way that I'm thinking. And I believe that servant leadership is, is imperative when it comes to like career growth and personal life growth in general. And the one people that I would say have been like the best servant leaders to me in just my young 25 years of life have been my coaches that I've had in my past because they've always, whether the message comes through at that they're yelling at me or they're just talking to me, they always say, never listen to the tone, listen to the message. And then when you think about it, it's always because they want you to be better and it's being better for the team. Right. And that's inevitably what helps us all win. And I I absolutely love that because I think when I joined Starbucks, that was the one thing that I truly enjoyed was the fact that it felt like a community and a family. And we used to call each other our Starbucks family because of our servant leaders who are also there to serve us, helping us grow in our lives and our careers to help us get there. Exactly. You got it. So let me ask you this. Those who might struggle becoming a servant leader or knowing that servant leadership is is more of a journey than anything else. How would you say that you could start becoming a servant leader and like what type of steps would you maybe take to to help starting to thinking that way? Well, I'd start reading first and foremost. I'd start reading books about servant leadership, about people that have practiced servant leadership, people that have defined servant leadership. And there's just tons of them out there. And uh, Robert Greenleaf, who is the founder of Idea of Servant Leadership, he was the one that created the term servant leadership. There's lots of books that he's written and then disciples of him that have written lots of books. So learn about it first. And then there are books by leaders that have written about servant leadership and how they practice it. You know, I have one called It's Not About the Coffee, There's, but there's hundreds of them. And just read about those books and start practicing some of the things that they talk about. 
And once you start to make it part of you, remember, servant leadership is a way of life. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not a, a program du jour. It's how mm-hmm. you live your life in all aspects of your life. And so, you know, that's the way I would do it. And, you know, once you start practicing it and you find what works for you, because, you know, everybody will practice it in a different way and that's okay. It's not like, it's not like this is a religion where this is the way you practice it. This is, you, you make it fit your life with the concepts of servant leadership and, you know, and make it you. And then after a while, it just becomes part of you. It's how you act. And so, you know, uh, you know, practice makes perfect, you know, and you create habits by repeating, by doing things, even though maybe you're uncomfortable with it at the beginning. It's Absolutely. not, it's not hard. It's, it's just rec- just understanding that, that you are here to serve others and making that your life. Yeah. They're not here yeah, to serve yeah. you. <laughs> I love that. I think, yeah, I mean, you're spot on, right? Like practice makes perfect. And I think it, it takes 21 or 27 days to make something a routine, right? That's right? You do it consistent enough and then it turns into a routine. And then one thing that I, I personally struggled with in corporate America was I am a very emotional person and showed my, my emotions. And during meetings at times, if I was caught off guard or if I got a little pissed off after something, I would make a face. And I didn't even realize that I was making a face until one of my managers called it out and was like, hey, Chase, like maybe with the faces, when things go a little bit sideways, like we should just kind of keep those like, you know, aside. And I kind of and I took that to heart because I really, truly believed that she was coming from the, a really great place to really help me get better. And yeah. then it took me recognizing that I was making these faces and then going into meetings and then expecting that something was going to go sideways and then purposefully not making a face and keeping a straight face or, you know, having a, a buttoned up response for somebody. But after call it three months, I finally got to the point where my professional maturity grew so much that I was like, Oh wow. Like people can say whatever it is in a meeting and it's never going to truly catch me off guard because I had to learn and grow in uh, within myself that I can't be giving off these social cues that I'm, disinterested or mad or not necessarily happy about whatever is going on. And I say that because I think that that is also applicable to servant leadership is just the fact that you try it out. It's uncomfortable as hell for the first couple couple times you're trying it out. And then it starts to feel more comfortable and then it becomes a routine. And then all of a sudden it becomes your way of life. And to your point, it's servant leadership isn't something that you just do in the, in the workplace. It's not just something that you do with your significant other, with your family or with your friends. It's something that you do and it's a way of life and it turns into like an evolution. And I, I absolutely love it. And your other point about reading books, I think reading books is one of the most eye-opening things for me. And that's why I started listening to podcasts because I I call them mini books and I listen to audio books as well. But the one thing that I value about it is that you don't have to take every word for verbatim, right? You can take the good nuggets out of it, apply it to your life. And like you said, make it yours. And then you have your own style of servant leadership and yeah. it works for you. And it becomes more authentic and more genuine that way. Yeah, right. Exactly. You make it you make it part of you. Right. And then it's then it, then it's real. Yeah. Then it becomes true servant leadership. Yeah, right. Exactly. So one thing that that I focus on pretty pretty heavily is millennials in the workplace. And that's like 24, 25 year olds all the way up to about 30, 30, 33 to 34 years old right now. And one thing that I've realized is that we were are connected to our cell phones. Personally, I'm connected to my cell phone. If it's across the room, I feel like, you know, I'm missing a piece of me. 
And I got a lot of advice when I was coming into the workplace by getting rid of my Apple watch because I was checking my watch too much and I was checking my text messages and all that stuff like that. But I'd be curious to hear from you, Howard, on what advice you have for young professionals coming into the workplace today. Uh, God, you know, I, you know, I hear all this millennial stuff, you know, and what do they say? Okay. The words are okay. Baby boom or okay. Boomer. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. We got to get over this. There's, there's no differences. Human beings are human beings, I agree. right? We all want to love and be loved. We all want to want to be treated with respect and dignity. We all want to grow. We want to learn. We want to contribute. Uh, you know, it. Those things are universal and they're ageless, and they've always been ageless from the start of time, almost of human beings. And so, you know, I think that I, I, I don't think there's any magic to it. Look, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I have some sayings that I love. That, first of all, uh, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. Right? Oh, yeah. That is spot on. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's being, getting yourself prepared to do things. Uh, you know, and then another one I like is the harder I work, the luckier I get. And it's, those are just truisms. And and that doesn't mean that you don't have do have uh, you don't not working all the time. Some people like to work all the time. You know, it's mm -hmm. their joy in life. But whatever it is that you like to do, but the way that you make things happen, and I think in the workplace is by caring more about others than you care about yourself at some level, treating others with respect and dignity, no matter whether they're perfect human beings or not, unless they abuse you, of course. You know, I'm not talking about that, but. Um, so when you go to work in an organization, try to focus not on building your resume, but building your life. Too many people get focused on themselves and building their resume. And that becomes the be all end all. And uh, when you when you focus on building a life, then you're focusing not only on yourself, but you're focusing on others because a life includes others. And don't mm -hmm. aim for a happy life. Aim for a fulfilling life. And there's a big difference. Happiness is part of fulfillment. But it's, it comes and it goes. Fulfillment is about uh, uh, living through joy, living through pain, living through disappointment, living through sorrow, living, living through happiness, living through accomplishment, living through failure, you know, living through pain, living through sorrow, all of the things that go into building a whole life. And I think a lot of people, it's not just millennials, think that all, their whole life should be just happy, full of joy. Mm -hmm. all, everything is good every day. It's not like that. And it's not like that in the workplace. And you'll be disappointed. You know, you, you know, maybe you're looking for a promotion and you don't get it. Don't get your head down. Just keep working at it and ask the questions. What do I need to do to get to the next step? And then work on those things. And, you know, uh, I, I make and the other thing is make sure that you're working in an organization where your values align with the organization's values. Don't get yourself in an organization where the where your values don't align with the organization's values. Because that that is a painful experience. You know, I've known a lot of people that have stayed in organizations where they absolutely don't align. You know, the organization doesn't care about people. The, the boss uh, says people are our most important asset, but treats them as assets, treats mm -hmm. them as like they own them. And don't don't you have, you're a, have free will. That doesn't mean go quit your job tomorrow, but get yourself in a position so that you can do that if it's if you're if the value your values aren't aligning with an organization 
And because that is one of the most important things is it's like having values that align with your significant others. If, if you if you get married and all of a sudden you find out that your husband or wife is a shoplifter and and they're bringing you stuff every day, but that doesn't align with your values, then either that person has to change or you need to move on. And it's Absolutely. the same same in the workplace. Who you are is who you are. And you have to be able to live that in your place of work. And that's usually why people are unhappy. And so it, it's little, it's simple things. And, you know, if you want to accomplish great things in your life, whatever those things happen to be, then you got to give it your all. You know, you, you have, you have to have a, it all has to be a purpose greater than yourself. And I try to live by that. What I call a, what I call my six P's. Everything I do in life has to have a purpose bigger than me, greater than myself. Everything I do in life, I have to be passionate about. If I'm going to have a purpose greater than myself, then I better be really energetic about it and passionate about it. And then uh, uh, everything I, I do in life, I, I have to have patience for. You know, not everything comes in the in the time frame that I want it to come. Uh, you know, sometimes I have to have patience. Um, and then persistence matters. You know, uh, it won't always, you know, come fast. There are lots of rocks in the river that you don't even know about. You're going to hit those rocks. Figure out how to get over them, around them, under them, or through them, you know, or or, or change your course a little bit. Uh, so persistence matters. And then performance, it really matters. People don't like to be measured. The facts are we're getting measured every day. And the most important we, person we have to measure ourselves for is ourselves. You know, we should know more about how we're performing than anybody else. And we should acknowledge it for ourselves. If you're not doing the job, figure out how to do the job, you know, and be honest with yourself. And, and because performance matters in all aspects of our life, whether you're married, whether you have a significant other, uh, whether you're working, it doesn't make any difference. We're all getting measured every day and we have to get comfortable with that. A lot of people are not. They don't want to be measured. You know, they hate it. They don't, you know, uh, but facts are we, we get measured like it or not. And, you know, if you get married, you find out maybe your significant other won't say anything other to you, say anything to you about something. All of a sudden it explodes, right? Because <laughs> they haven't been communicating with you all along. So, you know, you know, be, you know, be a performer. Then the final P, the sixth P is everything is about people. And so I live my life like that. And so I think if, if you, uh, in workplace, you should, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. So be clear about your goals. Be clear about what your mission as life is and be clear about how you want to live your life. I love that. I love that. And thank you. Thank you so much for walking us through that, because I think your first tip on um, luck is where preparation and opportunity meet is it's it's spot on. Right. And, and everything, I think like the one like underlying theme that kind of comes through all of that is just continuing to work hard. And with your talking about persistence and continuing to push through the different rocks, whether you go over, under, or through it, the one thing that we can always do. And the one thing that I was taught as an athlete growing up was the only thing that you can control is how hard you work. That's you it. can't control everything else that goes on in the universe. And those opportunities might not always come about, but the one thing that you never want to do is be unprepared for those opportunities because it might never come ever again. Right. And our, my football coaches in college always told us that prior planning prevents poor performance. And the more that I, I sat down and kind of thought about that, the more I realized it to be true because the more time that I put into something from the upfront, 
it always made it a lot easier, whether it was practicing super hard for a week to have a game on a Saturday or putting a lot of time into, you know, an outline for a deck to make sure that my deck was going to come through and the presentation flow was going to be the best that I could ever have. Or, you know, taking notes and doing research on yourself before I interview you, like different things always or different aspects of your life. When I think about the preparation aspect of it, the preparation is always the hardest part. But if you don't procrastinate and you actually put in the time to be, I'll call it great in that preparation phase, then your execution and your performance is just going to continue to get better and better and better every single time. Yeah. So I, I I love, I absolutely love it. And and the fact about people, like I'm just gonna be real honest, Howard, I love people. This is, that's why I started this podcast was because I like talking to people and I have, I'll get in an Uber and I will not put my headphones in. I will talk to the Uber driver and get to know their story because at the end of the day, like we're all just humans. And like you said, we all are just looking to have that, that different connection. And I moved out to Seattle. I didn't know a single soul when I moved out here. I knew zero people besides my uncle. And as much as I love my uncle, he is not the person that I'm going to go to a bar with to go watch a basketball or football game every single night. And by just being curious and, and being able to have conversations with different people throughout the city by going out and being vulnerable and just sitting down at a bar and being confident in who I was, I have learned that life is so much more than just waking up and going to work and coming home every day. And it is all about connecting with people because, you know, you said happiness is not something that we're going to be able to have every day. It's, it's almost like humanly impossible to be happy every single day of your life. And the one thing that brings me joy is the fact that I look at my days now and I go, you know what, even if I did have a bad, you know, a bad meeting that, that happened for an hour, or if I had a bad day, just in general, the best part about it is that the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month, it's not going to be impacted by that. That's and I can, that's right. it's going to change. The sun is going to rise back up the next morning. Now in Seattle, it, you know, it might rise, <laughs> it might not in a, in a winter yeah. time, but the, at the principle of it is just the fact that we get to kind of do a restart in terms of our emotions and our happiness every yeah. day. Yeah. And for me, like, you, you hit it right on the head because it's like, do something that's fulfilling for me, working my butt off is fulfilling for yeah. some of my friends, like becoming the best fisherman that they can be become is fulfilling for them. Like to your point, it's like work on that fulfillment because happiness is going to come along the way. And then once yeah. you feel that fulfillment, that's like, in my opinion, the ultimate happiness. That's right. Knowing you can, knowing you can deal with anything. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the, the biggest thing as a young professional, that's like, been super confident or confidence building for myself is just like, once you figure out that you can navigate almost any situation, you're like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Like life is really fun. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore millennial way and check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.